This is the 100th episode of Bored and Annoyed, and rather than start with the typical start, um, I figured we would take a look back at our first intro of this show ever. Uh, do you remember what movie we reviewed? Uh, wasn't it Annihilation? It was Annihilation. So yeah. um, welcome to the show. I am Jackson. I'm home at the movies. And welcome to Bored and Annoyed. So we're recording now? Yeah, we've been recording this whole time so I could watch the watch the levels. Good thing I didn't say anything to you know, <laughs> that you could blackmail me with. But. <laughs> Hi, I'm Alex and I'm bored. And I'm Jackson and I'm annoyed. And welcome to the first ever episode of Bored and Annoyed, the podcast. <laughs> you might want to cut the podcast. I, I probably will. <laughs> so yeah that wasn't messy or anything you know how is it that it was it's basically two years ago and uh how is it that i feel like i sound like a child in that clip it's yeah it's only been two years your balls finally dropped in your early 30s you know i don't i don't understand that the podcast. You know, I feel like we should just start. Uh, and by the way, there's bonus content. Our thoughts on the whole riots thing is on YouTube for you people that are listening to uh, the the you know the 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 post the post recording. Um, but anyways, um, yeah. So I think we should start by just talking about that a little bit. Uh, when we started, we had one of these blue yeti mics. We were sitting at a coffee table. Uh, you were on the couch. I was on my chair. Uh, had no idea what we were doing. Um, I'm shocked that you left that in the episode, by the way, that first episode. But I'm kind of glad you did now. And it's kind of funny to listen to that because I remember everyone I've told to listen to the show to this day. I'm like, don't start with the first episode. But I feel like every <laughs> yes. podcast has that same um, that same you know story. So I, I think, especially if it's your first podcast, I think I think once you've been around mics, been around sort of like how a, a show is structured. I think you figure out the ropes as you go. Uh, but yeah, your first podcast, your first episode on your first podcast, oof, that, that shit is rough. Yes, yes, and that was rough. And it just so happened to probably be one of the most confusing, weird movies that we watched the entire time we've done this show together. Right. Well, and we also figured uh, eventually that maybe we shouldn't spend an hour and a half <laughs> On one movie. Yeah. Because we'll eventually just beat it into the ground. Yes. Um, yes. But if you want to laugh, uh, go back and uh, listen to that episode. And watch Annihilation, by the way. Great movie. Um, I great love the movie. movie. I yes. love the movie. Um, but anyways, uh, as far as news is concerned, um, I believe the big two pieces of news I saw this week were, and maybe it was only one. I saw the one thing I sent you, which I think is hilarious that uh, uh hereditary guy Ari Aster is is oh, yes. looking at uh he wants to make a 4 hour horror comedy which honestly feels like a troll job and it actually makes me laugh and I kind of hope that that actually happens just for the hilarious hilariosity of that happening. Oh well I'm I'm actually truly looking forward to this because uh, I like Ari Aster. I, I don't love his movies, but uh it's one of those things where like he he's a clear artist, he's got a clear vision. Um and, and I always appreciate that. He's sort of one of those people where it's like he is evidence of the auteur theory. Yes. Um and 
if he's like, hey, I'm going to branch out and I'm going to try mixing in a different genre, you bet your fucking ass I'm interested. And I think he could do a more heavy comedy piece because they're like, especially in Midsummer, I would say that a lot of the stuff written with the douchey character who vapes, of course, yes. was actually yes. pretty goddamn funny. Um, it made yep. me laugh. So it seems to have some comedic timing. Uh, if it's going to be four hours, I'm assuming it's going to be he's just not going to cut anything. So it'll be like his dream. But but that was one thing. Um, the other thing I saw is that I believe, again, update, it sounds like uh, Nolan is still dead set on releasing Tenet in mid-July. And movie theaters are looking at possibly trying to reopen, depending on what they have to play in early July. So we'll see. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know. I don't. I want to go to the movies, but God damn, like, <laughs> what's it going to look like? Is it going to be safe? I mean, it's this is it's really weird to me because it does feel like at the end of the day, we as Americans have decided that we're we've had enough of COVID-19 and we're done and we're just going to just going to pretend it's not happening anymore. Part of me just feels like like at this point, maybe we should have just ridden the fucking thing out. But that's just me being an asshole, I guess. I don't know. It just seems like we were just, I don't know. Who knows? Who knows? Yeah, but I have no idea. It does I don't have the answers. The latest stats show apparently that the places that were hot spots at first aren't having the growth in cases that the places that weren't at first are. So... I don't know what that, I'm not a scientist or, you know, epidemiologist or whatever the hell it's called, but sure. maybe that's a good sign. I don't know. I, I, who knows? Well, and I, I heard that the people who are asymptomatic are actually much less likely to actually spread it, which is nice. That's, that's actually a, a bit of good news. That would be huge, right? Cause that was the, yeah. the biggest fear of this whole thing was like this invisible enemy that was around. And even if you felt good, you were still giving it to other people. So yeah. Right. Uh, so yeah, I mean, I, mean I think as long as we do masks in public and try social distancing and, and, you know, you don't be a Karen about having to sit at a different booth. <laughs> uh, I think as long as, uh, as those things are okay, I think we might be okay. Um, I don't know. I, I, I don't know. I don't know. Poor Karens, like the real Karens, women named every Karen. Time, <laughs> yes. Every time I meet a Karen, I'm like, I, I internally say, especially if they're a nice person, I'm like, I'm sorry. Yeah. I'm sorry your name has been co-opted to mean bitch. Yeah, that sucks. That really does. It, it's too bad. Um, but yeah, that's all I got for news. Hey, can you think of any news? I mean, it's been uh, rough digging up news over the last three months, to be honest with you. Uh, no, no, not really. Uh, I don't know. There wasn't, there hasn't been a whole lot that's interested me, interested me as far as news goes. Um, right. It's, just, it's been tremendously slow. Um, but that's okay. So apparently we have some news for us from downright nerdy. The kingdom series you put me on. I just received the Korean manga graphic novel. It's based on very excited oh. to read it. I didn't even know that was the case. I didn't know either. <laughs> now I'm excited. Yeah, so I guess there you go. Uh, go read Kingdom now and let me know how it is downright. Uh, but yeah, anyway, so for our 100th episode, uh, we both picked movies to watch. One was the anime classic uh, Akira and one was the box office sci-fi bomb um, John Carter. So I, I don't know. Let, you want to start with Akira, John Carter? Do you not care? What do you want to do here? I, I really, I, I don't care because I have enough to say about both. Okay. Um, do, 
do you want to start with John Carter? That's your that's kind of your baby. Sure. Let's let's get it out of the way. I don't I want to just get my hatred for you out of the way now because I'm sure okay. it's going to come, you know. Uh yeah, so I watched it last night. Uh you know, most movies that I get real excited about and just to give you a little background on this. I went and saw John Carter the day it came out by myself in a theater that was probably like two or three other guys who were by themselves, right? Uh, It was clear just from looking at the audience in the theater the day I went and saw it that this was not going to be good. You know what I mean? This was going to be a bomb. No matter how good the movie was, it was going to be a box office bomb. So I sat there. Uh, The first funny story about this actually is I had a pair of Oakleys on. And it was a 3D showing, and uh, I always put my Oakleys up or my sunglasses up on my forehead, right? So I go into the theater, I grab the 3D glasses, I also put those on my forehead. And my first five to ten minutes of the movie, the experience was just dreadful. Because I had accidentally taken my Oakleys and brought them down over my eyes. So it was like, this is the worst 3D I've ever seen. Everything's super blurry, I can't see anything. But anyways, figured that out, solved that problem. And I left that theater, to this day, I would say it was one of the most joyful, exciting movie theater experiences that I've ever had. Uh, Wow. Because I did not go in expecting anything from this movie. Um, I didn't know anything about it outside of the trailers. Um, Okay. It's just, it's a sci-fi movie, so I'm going to go see it no matter how cheesy and dumb it looks in the trailer, I guess. Sure, Um, sure. You know, kind of like a like a Mortal Engines would have been, right? It was like right. that feeling, right? Uh, and, and and I saw this. This was th- you throw that out there like that. <laughs> this... You throw that out there like that. It makes a whole lot more sense. Well, this this, this guy was... who liked Mortal Engines. I, now makes hold a on, lot of sense. go listen to it because I did think it was bad, but I okay, had that's fun. true. Uh, that's true. But this one, I don't think is bad. I actually think that this is the closest thing. And this is a little hyperbole because I'm sure you'll be able to throw out a couple examples, uh, examples that probably are, you know, just as close, maybe just as good, whatever. But this is the closest thing to the original Star Wars trilogy type feeling type of movie world building uh, character, you know, stuff. I really enjoyed this. Um, I, I still think it's an A plus to this day. I still, every time I turn it on, I watch it and I love it. I enjoy everything about it outside of uh, Taylor Kitsch's acting. I don't think he's very good as an actor, but I'm I'm able to overlook that. Um, and, and, and that goes for, and Taylor Kitsch, sorry, bud. Uh, you know, even like in the uh, Waco show, where he plays mm. David Koresh, I just don't think yeah. he's that great. I just don't. I, I was going to say, I saw him in the Waco show, and I actually think he's good. I think, uh, so So we've got sort of your perspective on this. Yes. My history with John Carter is, didn't see it in theaters. Uh, I waited until, I think it was like 25, or 2015, 2016, to see it for the first time. Okay. Uh, I found it to be tremendously boring. Not a bad movie, just a very boring, boring movie okay this was my second viewing of it now and uh i still think it's a boring movie um but i now have sort of i have glimpses of brilliance within it sure um that i can see 
Um, but I also can now see I'm, I'm able to some, maybe articulate a little bit better as to what I see as the problems that don't work for me as a viewer. OK, um, this is this is and I think some of it is just the fact that like, OK, so Edgar Rice Burroughs wrote this book, uh, John Carter of Mars, or I don't know if that's what it's called. It is. But, uh, you know, he. Okay, he 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 wrote this book. Um, it's it's very much a precursor to things like Star Wars. So culturally, I'm sorry, it's a Princess of Mars, the first one. Oh, Princess. Okay, yeah. so he 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 writes this book. It's very much a precursor to Star Wars. We're exposed to a lot of the tropes that Edgar Rice Burroughs had established through Star Wars. So culturally, we've already kind of been here, at least as far as the cinema is concerned. And so it does, it reminds me a lot of like, uh, like, okay, so the Ghost in the Shell movie from a few years ago. Sure. It reminds me very much of that where Ghost in the Shell, the anime inspired the Matrix. And the Matrix was the thing where like, everybody's like, oh shit, this is crazy. And then when Ghost in the Shell comes out, it's like, oh, well, we've, we've been here before. Feels we've done like a ripoff of the Matrix, yeah. right? Uh, even though it's the original and it's the same thing here, it's the original sort of idea or like, sort of like the inception of these sort of tropes, but now it's seen as sort of like a boring sort of ripoff. But it, to, to me, it's a, an amalgamation of like three things. It's an amalgamation of star Wars, Indiana Jones, and the first Thor movie. Okay. Uh, structure structurally, it's very much like Thor you've got like this very like realistic world that you live in on earth. And then you go to a fantastical world out in space. Um, and it's our world and that world at the same time. Um, and it's the juxtaposition between the two. Uh, but then it's also like John Carter is, is very much like there's some Indiana Jones type action with horseback riding and, and sort of like sort of this guy who can like kind of rough and tumble kind of guy. Um, and then you've got obviously the the Princess of Mars, and you've got this whole war in space, and it's very Star Wars in that aspect. Sure, uh, you know, so it's it's a lot of those things. I think for me, when I looked at it this time, I think the thing that really sticks out is that I never really got interested in John Carter as a character for me to actually be really interested in the journey. And so I think a lot of it comes down to probably the first half an hour, 40 minutes of the movie, because I feel like the midsection might actually be my favorite section. I think that's got the best bits. And it's not like it doesn't have decent actors, Will and Defoe, uh, Mark Strong, uh, you got Mance Raider in it. Uh, <laughs> you know, yeah. like these, like there, there aren't bad actors, though I will argue, I think the princess is actually worse than uh, uh, Taylor Kitsch. Um, I think she's far, far worse. Oh, I disagree, hundred uh, percent. She's she's attractive, but she's she's not a good actress. Um, and I, I maybe it's maybe it's not that. Maybe it's that I find her character to be just so so boring. I think that's a fair argument. They definitely. I mean, you're introduced to her, and she's kind of like practicing for her little speech that she's going to give her father when he comes in yeah. the room, right? So it's a cheesy. I, I don't. It's a cheesy character as well. Yeah. I, I don't think it's a good introduction, I think, to the character. But here, here's where I give the movie. And to me, I like to compare this not only with the things you mentioned. Uh, by the way, you didn't mention that that Superman basically ripped this off, too, which is huge. I mean, the entire concept oh, of right, Superman. right, the whole, yeah, jump, right, jump, yeah, yeah. Jump, I can see that, yeah, yeah for sure. Uh, so that that's something to note as well. But but um, for me, I, I think about Avatar a lot when I watch this. And, and I think about, like... 
looking at them next to each other, clearly Avatar, just in its design of its world, is a more impressive thing to look at, right? John Carter looks great, though. It, it, it looks expensive, but it is expensive, so it's hard to give it too much credit for how good it looks. Now, where I give this credit is, uh, you know, whereas... Um, uh, you know, uh, uh, what, what's his name? Uh, Cameron, he, you know, it's like, you, okay, well let's have our character be, have broken legs and, and let's name the, 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 uh, the MacGuffin unobtainium and let's, everything is so goddamn on the nose in that movie. That's my biggest problem with it. Outside of the fact that I think it's too long, it's over bloated. I don't think John Carter's bloated. Uh, but no, but thinking no, about I, thinking no. about John Carter as a character, what I like about the character is that there's 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 a lot going on there in that first half hour. Um, there is the fact that he's it's interesting to me that he's a Confederate soldier who doesn't want to be involved in any of this uh, and essentially gets tries to get dragged in when he's on Earth. And then he goes to Mars. And obviously there's the uh, the metaphorical you know, civil war type battle that's happening there. Uh, you have the Native American types, which are the Tharks, which by the way, I think the Tharks are probably my favorite part of the movie. Just the little world building moments with them, with the kids and, and the brutality of them is very interesting. I would, I would argue that the Tharks are the most well fleshed out thing in the entire movie, including John Carter as a character. I, yeah, I think you could make that argument. Sure. Uh, I think that they were the they were the most interesting. I was the most engaged. Uh, it was the most fascinating thing to watch. I feel like helium and the the red Martians. Zodanga. Zodanga. That that <laughs> didn't make a whole lot of sense to me. Their okay. society didn't make a whole lot of sense. I, I I didn't really get how like they could have a thriving city when this the planet was the way that it was. I didn't understand. I didn't understand them. I, okay. they were just, they were, they were very foreign. It was just kind of like they're rich people. Yeah. And, and that's, like, that's the problem whenever, I mean, are we ever going to get that Alita sequel? Right. I mean, sure. there, there's a lot of shit like that in Alita too, um, where it's like, okay, well, if I don't get a sequel to this, then there's just so much unanswered stuff. And, and it's not to make an excuse for the movie, but that wasn't the story that necessarily needed to be told here. Um, as far as the, the world building is concerned, I definitely, I mean, I think that was part of the reason I was like in awe of the film when I first saw it was because I didn't expect in this Disney movie to have, oh, well, oh, those those eggs didn't hatch. Shoot them. They're not strong enough to survive. Right. And they just stay sure. back and shoot all the baby eggs that didn't hatch. And then and then you've got a scene where they bring the eggs back and basically they let them all go. And all the women are just like beating on each fighting, other trying to get fighting that for stuff the children that stuff is great uh there's a scene in this where essentially uh if you if you commit a crime you get a mark and once you run out of marks the concept is that you're put to death in the arena or whatever uh that was powerful i thought i i don't understand why and i understand why people never saw this movie but i don't understand how there are people out there who act like this movie is a joke because first of all 
even uh, you know as if you don't love this movie that's fine but the idea that this movie killed andrew stanton's career as far as being a live action filmmaker to me is a mm. joke i mean come right. on it's it's not he he clearly has talent with directing action the action is very crystal clear you can tell everything that's going on even though you're dealing with two groups of people who kind of look the same, which I would admit is a problem in the movie. I, I, I would say that's probably the problem with the Red Martians. Is it's kind of like, wait, what's going on? Who's I, I think I, I think that's a problem. I, I, I've also watched stuff on like the idea of world building and sort of like having a lot of these like these two uh, terms that you have like in your in your movie or or your text or whatever it is. And they say, like, it's it's hard for a viewer or a reader to have, like, a bunch of terms that they need to learn, especially in, like, quick su- succession. So you're like, my Jeddak, yeah. Bar Zoom, the Therns, yeah, right. Yeah, there's, there's a lot going on there. And so sometimes you're kind of like the who, the what, and the why, like, what's going on? And I think that, and I'm not saying, like, I'm a dumb viewer and I'm not saying that this movie needs to dumb itself down, but maybe the pace at which it exposes you to these terms and these things maybe was a little too quick. Cause I think that the beginning is incredibly fast paced. It's so fucking fast that you're never grounded. And I think because I think I do think honestly, it's a problem in not starting the movie off with John Carter and making a sort of like, identify with him, find his sort of like, you know, find his ghost or find his lie that he believes in things like that. Ah, So you Um, think that the whole setup for kind of the twist ending should actually be placed at the beginning, like the, like him searching for the, the amulet and, and that should be kind of the, the, the narrative thread that the story's told through from his perspective. I, I think it might be a better movie if it was actually two movies and the whole Edgar Rice Burroughs part of it comes <laughs> in in the second. Because okay. I think in the first, there's just too much going on. Because I, I don't, this is not a, a bloated movie. No. Uh, in, in that, like, I feel like everything is there. It's just, I don't know, maybe it is a little. <sighs> I don't know. It's tough. It's tough because it does feel like it's bloated in that there's so much here that I never felt anchored. Um, And maybe it's just as simple as maybe you just restructure the way that you learn about John Carter. Uh, Because I think that something about uh, John that, I mean, obviously, like, one of my favorite bits is when, like, he's like, go, I'll take care of these guys or whatever. And then, like, he goes and he faces off against... uh, uh, whoever it was, I don't even remember who he was fucking fighting, but like it's intercutting with like his family. Dying. Yeah. The, uh, the, like um, the war or whatever. Yes. There's another example though. I mean, right. But, uh, you know, the yeah. only reason I know that is cause I love the movie and I've seen it, you know, eight times or 10 times or however many times it's been. Sure. So, but I liked that scene, but at the same time, I think sort of like, we already knew like his family died, but seeing how they died maybe earlier and maybe having like, guilt and PTSD about it earlier on in the movie and making that a little bit of a bigger thread, um, I think might've made me, because my, my point is, is I was never emotionally attached to him as a character, which stopped me from being invested in all of the proceeds or proceeding actions that happened later on. See, that's interesting because I do not feel that way. I thought the, the, the not so subtle, but kind of subtle, uh, 
and that's really a stupid thing to say, I realize. But when he's in jail and he's got the two rings on his finger and sure. basically. Oh, he you says, get it. Yeah. And I thought that like really drew me in. Like, OK, this is a this is a torn up guy. Right. I mean, I, I was. Well, I, I got that he was torn up, but it's it's kind of like, why are you torn up? Are you torn up because you feel responsible or just because they're dead? I feel like I needed more there than just. And, and that's another thing, too, where John Carter is kind of an archetypical character. He's kind of like your Wolverine got a tragic past and feels guilty loner kind of type. Leave me alone. I don't want to get involved. Sure. Yeah. Uh, you know, um, that's, that's exactly who he is. And it's like the, the thing, part of what makes Wolverine interesting is because yeah, he's got claws and shit, but like, he's got a mysterious past. You don't know what happened to him here. It was, it was very telegraphed. Like, okay, uh, your, your family died and, and, and you're sad, but, but why are you sad? Are you, did you, did you feel guilty because you left? Yeah, but that's did what you, you did, learn, did you, right? That's what you learn in the scene you're talking about, because this whole thing that he says is basically like, I was too late once, I won't be again. And then you're like, okay, well, then it was his fault that that happened, or he feels like it was his fault, right? Right, but it, it, I guess I never felt it is what I'm saying. And I don't know how you structure that. Um, and then there was another thing, too, where like when I when they found him and they were like, we need you as part of our cavalry or whatever. And I'm like, okay, but... I think the second that you meet this guy, you're just like, nah, not interested. Cause like, he just seems like such a wreck. It's like, why would they even bother locking him up? Why it just, to me it was, and, and I get why they're doing it. Like I get why the movie is doing it. It's because he's, he's a character and he's, he's a man's man and he's got skills and, and, and it's like, oh, it's got fucking Brian Cranston in it too. Um, yeah, crazy, and, by the way, that he's in right, this. <laughs> right, and, and it's like, it's not like it's got a bad cast, but I just feel like structurally it stopped me from being emotionally involved, and I think that really it all hinges on the beginning. And then, there, yes, there are changes I would make throughout, yes. I would I would change the princess's introduction. I would maybe give her a little bit more to do. Um, but I don't think that there's anything wrong with sort of like the main ingredients. I think it's it's the way that it's maybe told that doesn't work for me. So I would never say this is like a train wreck. I don't think it's a train wreck. I just think it's kind of boring and kind of been there, done that. Yeah, I mean, a lot of the things you're saying, I feel like they did from my perspective. I mean, um, you know, mentioning, uh, well, God, what did you just say? And you, you, it was like midway through what you were talking about. But but basically introing him, you were talking about the introduction of the character. Uh, you oh, know, why they want him. Why yeah, they why want they him. want him. I mean, they did that. They checked that box, I thought, thoroughly. I mean, the whole thing the whole thing was he comes in and says, you know, hey, we've got this book on you that you're like the most badass dude ever. We're having huge problems. Um, we need you right now. And I'm having a hard time seeing this what's in this book right. in front of me so not only not only do they explain that but he acknowledges it specifically that this guy in front of him looks like a piece of shit right right yeah and i'm not and i'm not arguing that um what i'm saying is that to me once once they got him locked up it was kind of like why even lock him up at this point because he clearly is not the guy that you thought he was and so like it, it felt like they went through a lot of effort uh, to get a guy that feels like it's, uh, was it worth it? Is it worth it? It doesn't seem like it's worth it. it to me, it seems like they're going through all this effort. It just, why? Why? He just doesn't seem like he's worth it at this point. Um, now I get the idea because they want to, they want as a movie to hammer home the whole, like he's a desired warrior and he doesn't want to have any part in war anymore. Got it. I, I would love, I would, 
I kind of wish that they actually tied that to like a guilt about war, not just about his family dying, but maybe his actions within the war, I think would make, cause it's like, okay, uh, you don't want to go to war because your family died, but okay. So now your family's gone. So do you have a reason to not want to go to war now? Like, what is it about war specifically now that you don't like? And I think that would have been an interest. I personally, I just love the tortured, uh, guilty soldier sure. angle. I, 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 sure it's, it's tired and it's been done before, but I felt like John could have used a little bit more than my wife and child are dead and I'm sad. See, I would say that if this was a different kind of movie, this is an adventure movie. It's a, you know, fun throwback kind of serial adventure movie, like something you'd have seen in like the fifties or whatever, kind of what you like star Wars duh. But, but star Wars is a lot deeper with its themes, admittedly. Although, you know, the first one wasn't quite that, it wasn't nearly as deep as its themes until it got through all three, and then it was something else. So we'll never see that, unfortunately, for fans of the movie. Um, I do want to talk about the uh, the Lynn Collins character, uh, Deja, though, because, you know, it sounds like you don't like Deja, and I actually think that their romance works incredibly well in this. Um, I believe it the whole way through, uh, you know, and, and to me, that's not easy to do. Like I compare it with something like the Alita romance with the, with the guy in Alita. I don't buy that at all. It just, it, it feels crappy to me. Um, that feels more twilighty to me. This one feels more like a Disney princess type romance story. And I, I thought it was effective. It made sense to me. Um, I, 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 I had she's moments. Good. They had moments where I kind of bought it, but I'd say on the whole, it feels a little contrived. I don't think they have great chemistry. I think I understand it because I'm like, okay, attractive woman, attractive guy. I mean, you see Taylor Kitsch without a shirt on. You're like, fuck, I wish it looked like that dude. I think he's a little but, ratty looking to be honest. But <laughs> Dude, he's ripped as fuck, man. You would kill to have those fucking ass. I feel like I know where you're going with this and it's like the, the uh, Padme Anakin thing, but I don't think that's fair. I think there's a lot more going on here than just two good looking people. To me, it just that's all it really feels like. Like when they go to like the temple and they're like really close to each other, it's like I get it. You guys are both hot, and 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 that's ab about it. You're you're in close proximity and you're all touching each other, touching hands, whatever. It's like I, I get it. You're both good looking people, and you can't sleep with the green people because they got forearms and you're racist. Yeah, if you don't sleep with the green <laughs> forearm people, you're racist. <laughs> this is just the kind of dialogue we need during these trying times. No, uh, no but uh, I, I knew that that would get. You. I, I, I disagree with the idea that it is. I think they play it up well. It has a nice romantic ending. He wants to get back to her. I buy it. I feel bad for him when he gets sent back to the earth. I mean, it's not like the oh, there. Uh, you know, I hate sand. It's everywhere type bullshit that George Lucas was doing in the prequels, right? And, and maybe. The this is very, and actually this is very Thor-like, but I think that if we had spent, I, th I think if you told the story about like, you don't do the Edgar Rice Burroughs thing at the beginning, you none of that. It's just basically you, you keep the same runtime, but you basically start with the idea of like starting out with John Carter when, or John Carter when he's looking for the gold or whatever. And you start with him there, but you just sort of flesh everything out a little bit more time with the romance, a little bit more time. And then it ends with, he gets sent back to earth. And it's very much your Thor ending of like, I'm going to get back to you. I think there's something, I do think there's something inherently romantic about 
two people separated by means uh, beyond or uh, by by uh, methods beyond their means and the desire to reunite. I think sure. that's very romantic. Um but I did not, and I, I actually really love the idea. I mean, you're literally worlds apart, literally. Yes. Uh, I just the 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 execution. I just don't feel it. Um, and I think it's just. I think that's probably my reason why. Transitioning into the other part of this, which is the villains of the movie, I feel like there is a reasonable argument to be made that they're underdeveloped. Um, you don't really ever know what their true motivation is, uh, that sort of thing. But what do you think of the villains in this, the Therns and Mark Strong in particular? Uh, I mean, you know, they're just kind of generic bad guys. Yeah, you don't really know what's going on with them. Uh, I mean, I, I, I lump them in with the whole Red Martian race thing. It's just a part of the movie that the movie seems almost disinterested in itself with. Um, and I think that is also a problem because I don't... I mean, you really have three sides to this thing, but I don't know what everybody wants. Actually, you've got four because you got helium, and then you've got the other dude with the blasty thing the on Zodangans, his arm. The Zodangans, the Zodangans, whatever the fuck. And then you've got the green dudes, and then you've got these white monk fuckers. Sure. And then you got John Carter, and it's like there, there's so much going on that I actually don't know what anybody's fighting for, other than. Mars? Yeah, well, I think that that's kind of what... The, so So first off, I think that the Therns were planned to be explained far more in subsequent movies. That's my theory. Um, there is one great scene with Mark Strong, though, and I actually love the fucking scene. It's one of my favorite scenes of the movie, um, is when he essentially like hooks that thing up to John Carter, he has control of him, and he kind of does the Bond villain exposition thing. Uh, the bad guy <laughs> explains what they're doing. Oh, thing. right. Yeah. That I, bit. I okay. love yeah. that bit. I love when he takes him up and kind of overlooks the, and he's like, you know, we've been doing this since before the birth of your world. And essentially, I forgot uh, about that. You know, society's growing. Yes. Right. So it's an interesting idea. I don't know why. So um, I think that's the point that maybe, maybe you're missing. Maybe not. Is that the reason I, they're fighting isn't, it's not real. It's, it's, it's created. Right. right? So, sure. so that's interesting to me. I completely forgot about that scene, to be honest, which I think actually speaks to just the movie itself, which is I forget large chunks of it because <laughs> there are just large chunks that because it does it. It's just boring to me. And so when something's boring, it's it's very hard to retain a lot of it, um, like the scene where, you know, they go out and it's and it's the uh, Willem Dafoe's uh, daughter and it's and it's Princess Boring and it's John Carter and uh, and they go out to the temple oh, thing or I whatever, like and it's just boring. It's just boring. It's great. It's just boring and boring and boring. I'll tell you what I love, though. I, I love the Coliseum scene. Okay. I'm always down for a good fight scene, one of the coolest scenes in the movie. Uh, I did love the, the, uh, the scene. Well, not love, but I liked the scene where he takes on that whole horde of dudes. Uh, that was great. Um, one thing I, you know, and this is just a nitpick. You, you, you can obviously slaughter knock you. me for this. <laughs> yeah. But uh, for me, I have a problem with, okay, so John Carter is strong because his bones are dense. His muscles are denser. He's, he's, he's just used to a heavier gravity. So he, he's, he can jump really far. They don't tend to use that in the most logical way all the time. He's having a fight with the main villain, like a sword fight. And it's kind of like, 
the second that John like shoves his arm up to block the sword, that should like send that dude's arm like flying back. Like, yeah. like that, that should, you know, do you, under, you, you get what I'm saying? You're like, not I wrong. know that you can let it, I know that you can let it go cause you like the movie, but for me, it just, it's like, what the fuck is even happening here? Like, can we be consistent, please? You could do that with so many, like a ton of the Marvel movies. You could do that kind of. I, shit, I, right? I, it, trust me, I have problems with yeah. it when the Marvel movies are not consistent. I mean, you're not, you're I, not wrong. It's like, do you, do you, do you make sure that it is logical at expense at the expense of the excitement in your movie? That I guess that's I, the. I think you could still have it be exciting. But you just have to not have it be a one-on-one sword fight because that's not a challenge for John because he's just that much stronger than sure. everybody. It's got to be like a, a massive fight that he's taking on like 20 dudes or something because that's a little bit more realistic for his skill set at, at this point in the movie. Right. Okay. That makes sense. Uh, now, there is – I like the river scene. I I like the little bit in there with the, the three Tharks that are just going down silently down the river basically to their deaths. I think that that's fantastic. Um, okay. I like the world building of the river S and all that shit. Uh, you know, the ending of the movie, I guess, if we want to get into that, that's pretty stock admittedly, you know, it's, uh, they're there. He's got to get there just before they get married. Otherwise the, you know, the, the villain kills everybody. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I, you know, that's fine to me. That's fine. I love this fucking movie. I can't get enough of it. I can't, when I watched it, I'm like, shit, what the hell have I been doing? This should be an annual watch, at least for me. I hadn't watched it in a few years, so. So you said it's an A+. plus. I'll give it like a C. Okay. I think this is going to be one of our more disparate reviews. Sure. Um, I don't think it's, I don't, I really don't think it's horrible. I've seen far worse oh, movies, yes. trust me. Well, like I said, the idea that this is, ki- like, if this is why Andrew Stanton isn't getting director's work, I, you know, I get it. It was an expensive movie and it bombed, but it certainly isn't all on, I know, but it wasn't on him really. I mean, no, no, no. But that Hollywood doesn't always see those things. Yeah, it's true. You know? Yeah. And he's, I mean, he's a talented dude, man. All those, no, all oh, those yeah. Pixar oh, yeah. movies. Shit. Yep. Um, yep. But yeah, I agree. let's talk about Akira. Uh, so this is your thing. And can I start this just by, uh, can I start this by trying to give you what I think the plot was? Yeah, because that's yeah, how I'm yeah. going to start this. Uh, I, I, first off, I'm going to say the movie looks great. It's an anime movie from the late '80s. It looks awesome. It's like that. It's that '80s style animation, but it's probably done in the slickest, coolest way that I've ever seen. Honestly, um, but I think the movie is about. Um, I think that like during World War Three. Uh, Japan set off a bomb of some sort on their own soil to hide or destroy uh, a a experimental child slash weapon. Um, and 20 or 30 years later, uh, they're running these experiments again on other children, kind of trying to recapture that, uh, I think. And then there are biker gangs and essentially one of the kids in one of the biker gangs gets wrapped up in this. Um, and he kind of turns into the, the, I feel like this is like an anime trope, like that type of character, like the, the, right, the, the, the yeah, like the, the, the former friend, you know what I mean? Who kind of yes. turns a little evil, but it's not really his fault type deal. Uh, but yes, then basically it is, 
that's where I come. And I don't even know if I got that right, but that was where it completely went off the rails. As far as me trying to follow it, I had honestly, maybe I'm an idiot. I felt like I had no idea what was going on. I, I think it's a little hard to follow because the movie is almost not the movie is almost more interested in atmosphere than actually explanation sometimes it does not hold your hand at all yes and it's frustrating as a viewer because i was watching it like god damn all this shit looks amazing but i'm not sure what the hell's going on like you've got these weird little zombie kids that are fucking cool as hell looking i i'm gonna i'm gonna correct uh your your uh synopsis so basically the idea is that they actually do have a child that is a psychic weapon he actually blows up tokyo it's not that they tried to kill him he literally blew he was the explosion he did that got it so their creation killed tokyo right is what you're saying yes yeah so so he he killed tokyo and they the other kids were actually part of the initial sort of uh uh project which is, um, you know, and then World War Three happens, which is why I think that they look like kids, yet they look like old people at the same time, because I think they've aged. Um, so, 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 yeah, so, so that's what happens. And then basically the idea is that uh, this, this kid, this uh, Tetsuyo, Tetsuyo. Yes. God, Tetsuo. Sorry. Uh, Tetsuo. Uh, he, he runs into one of the psychic kids and through this contact starts getting the psychic powers. Uh, that Akira once once uh, had and and they they sort of show you that like Akira's sort of like they, they have like a wavelength sort of thing like that doctor shows you and he's like oh this is Akira's wavelength and then they they uh, uh, um, overlay Tetsuo's and it's like the inverse it's like the exact opposite wavelength so it's kind of like Akira is Tetsu or Tetsuo is a Akira's sort of inverse sure um and so he's got a very similar level of power, just different. Um, and then, yes, then shit just goes batshit crazy because Tetsuo goes nuts. Uh, there's there's riots in the streets, and 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 uh, you know clearly it seems like Akira is 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 some sort of like a messianic figure, sort of in this world. Like like there are people who are like praying to Akira and stuff. Um, and I think it's the idea I, what I can gather is that the Japanese government tried to cover up Akira, but the people found out about it somehow. They found out that he was the cause for world war three. And because of that, uh, he's got this like cult like following. Okay. And, and so once they see this kid with psychic powers, they're like, Oh, it's the second coming of Akira and they follow him. And then basically he's, he's like, I want to meet Akira. I want to meet this fucking guy. He finds the remains of Akira which are just in jars because they're yes. like, well, we have to study this fucking kid. Right. Uh, and then basically he Tetsuo cannot contain his power. Then the, and then this is such an anime ending. Then the other three psychic kids basically rejoin with Akira, who basically, as far as I can figure it has moved beyond the need for a physical body which is why he created like a massive explosion because that wasn't Tetsuo who did that massive explosion because all of a sudden Akira shows up and then they're like, oh, Akira, you're back. And then <laughs> massive explosion. Um, and yeah, then the movie ends. Okay, so, and, uh, so hold on now. So now Pinky's Out podcast is in the chat here. Uh, and he's he's got some opinions on the movie. So he lo he loves the movie. Uh, he says it's very complicated. 
Um, he says they look like children from the drugs that enhance their powers. It stopped them from going into puberty. And then he says that Akira's cells are trying to recombine. Then they ascend. So that is his view. Uh, uh, Pinky is, is this based on the manga? Did you read the manga or is this just like things that you've read online, like people's like fan theories or, or whatnot? Yeah. And I would love to hear it. Cause uh, the, one thing you'll know about Ken from Pinky's out podcast, if you ever watch our uh, downright annoyed show is he is big. Like we watched Patton last week and he says like, after he watches something like Patton or Ip Man, he spends the next two or three hours just looking up, Look, uh, looking it up, but okay. no, but he's claiming here that this is just from the movie. So just from the movie. Okay. So, so these are, Things that because I don't think all of this is necessarily explicitly sl- said right. in the movie. I think some of it is either inferred or like director's commentary or writer's commentary stuff like that. I think you probably need extra texts to find find out all of that. I mean, because there's stuff in there like like the idea, and we haven't even really even gotten into the review yet. But the, the which is I guess maybe part of the review is that this movie is so complicated yes. that it's uh, going to be one of my detriments against the movie, like one of the th- the things against the movie that I have. But sure, and I, I love the movie because uh, I love. Okay, I, I want to say my thing about like something else that we've actually skipped over entirely, which is uh, they they talk about sort of like the the power that Akira has and sort of like the origin of it, and like it's the idea that maybe this power existed all along like and they, like that conversation between between the girl and uh Canada uh when they're in the um uh the cell uh, and, I don't like when you say it like, like that you need to say it as Canada Canada <laughs> the whole movie every time they say it almost oh god I love it I love it um <laughs> So they, they have that conversation and she's talking about like the idea of like what happens if an amoeba gets the power of a human, he would be perceived as a god, but he doesn't know anything other than what it's like to live as an amoeba. So he would just do what an amoeba does, but with the power of a human, um, which would make him incredibly destructive. And it's kind of like the inversion or the, the thing you're supposed to infer from that is that uh, that's basically what Tetsuo is, is like he's got a power of a god. But then, like, they talk about, like, the idea, like, the doctor at the very end, he's like, if I'm seeing this right, this is, like, the birth of a universe or the beginning of the universe. Um, I don't know exactly how well that translated from Japanese. Maybe he's saying, like, this is the energy that we think existed for the Big Bang or or whatever. But I think the idea is that Akira and – well, basically, like, Akira is basically saying, like, look, um, we shouldn't be here. Our powers are not meant to be on this plane. We don't – like, like this is not – we are now above this human form, this human realm. We shouldn't be here. So maybe he either creates a new universe or sends them out to a different universe um, where they're separate from us. Sure. Okay. That's sort of what I got from it. Yeah, well, and, and I like all that. Uh, you know, I it it's not something that I will discredit account ever watching again because I kind of understood, even though I didn't know what the hell was going on, I kind of understood why it would have a big following just from how it looked. It's beautiful. And you can tell there's themes in there. 
Uh, and yes. there, like there's, there's serious stuff in there. I couldn't wrap my head around it. I really, really loved the first 15 minutes or so. I thought the, sure. the opening, the whole getting the bike the, chase yes. sequence. It's is... the, it's in my opinion through the whole thing, there's nothing. And obviously maybe it's because I don't have anything to emotionally grab onto, but throughout the whole movie, I think that's the best part of the movie. It's one of my favorite parts for sure, for sure. Um, and I, I would say like, if I were to do a detriment, um, to to this movie, which I, I love this movie, but I'm able to see its flaws. I think the problem is, is that it's a little hard to get attached to Tetsuo and Kaneda um, because we don't necessarily, we understand their dynamic with each other, but we don't, we, we sort of get to learn a little bit. Like they, they clearly seem like orphans. Uh, there, there, there appears to be no parents for them whatsoever. And I think that's intentional. Right. Um, but like, I don't know what drives Kaneda. Uh, and, and, and I, I sort of get what drives Tetsuo. Like he, he's clearly got an inferiority complex and he's got rage issues and all of these things. And I, I, I get him, but Canada is kind of like, like, he seems like he's just sort of like a freewheeling so kind of kid. Like it, it doesn't seem like a whole lot bothers him. And so like, he's kind of missing an arc a little bit. Um, or maybe, maybe not. I mean, I guess maybe you could say he, he's an irresponsible uh, uh, a bike member, uh, gang member to, to, uh, 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 a socially conscious kid who like is trying to save the city. That's where I would go with it. I think he's just meant to represent like an irresponsible teenager. Uh, like, like the way he interacts with the girl when he first meets her. Right. He's yeah. Just, yeah. Oh, that's yeah. what he's obsessed with. Right. That's like the, his, Oh my God. Yes. And it's so, it's so eighties and it is so not woke. When he goes like, uh, what, what does he say? He's, he's like, you can at least give me your name, you cold-hearted bitch. <laughs> it's like, wow, dude, weren't you just flirting with her like 15 seconds ago? Um, it's, but, but I mean, he, he's an immature fucking kid. I mean, it makes sense. Um, you mean, you mean to tell me home that men kind of put on a front and an act when they first introduce themselves to women? No. No. Yeah. And no. I definitely think that it's, I definitely think it's more prevalent when you're younger too. I think, I think, the, <laughs> yeah, I think the act is bigger when you're younger. Eventually you're you older. stop giving a shit really is, is kind of well, what I it boils just, down you to. You become mature enough to know that if they're right. going to like you, they're going to like you for who you are. Yeah. They're going to find out who you are eventually. Right. I mean, yeah, that's kind of exactly. The deal. So yeah, exactly. But sorry. Continue. Um, so, uh, that, that's my main detriment is that it's hard to get a little emotionally invested in this, but at the same time, this is a very heady movie. This is a movie with, like you said, it's immensely dense in themes. And I think it's one of those ones where, um, I think we'd be remiss if we didn't talk about like the historical time that this was made and the country it's made and like the things that that culture and those people value, or at least the writer values uh, uh, in that culture. Sure. I mean, to me, it, it, it felt very much. So, I mean, you think about like, so this was written in the eighties and Japan, like post world war two, like Japan had really changed obviously. And had sort of embraced a little bit more of a capitalistic uh, nature. It was all of a sudden, and especially in the eighties was sort of like the electronics boom uh, for Japan. Like all of a sudden it's got like all of this power as far as like, the amount of money that they're now wielding. Right. Um, and I think there's a clear focus in this movie on the idea of like, are we losing ourselves to capitalism? Are we losing ourselves? And I, I think the whole thing actually revolves around that because I think you actually look at the kids, they don't have parents, they don't have structure, they don't have like these traditional Japanese values. They're not raised in it. They're just raised in this fucking wasteland of a city with warring factions and fascist police 
and 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 you know a covert ops going on in the military and and people who are just trying to become rich uh, like that that there's like a character in it who's just seems like he's just using like the freedom fighters to like distract the military so he can gain financially from it i don't know um to me it seems like that's to, to me i think it's the idea of like at least if I'm really taking it to its most logical conclusion, I think the idea of Kaneda or not Kaneda, but Tetsuo is like, he is this child who is given. And it's, it's almost like the children who would be raised in the eighties would be raised in this culture of immense power that Japan now wields on the uh, economic scale. But it's also a child that's been raised without traditional values. Uh, and it's like, is this what our legacy is? Is this what we're going to impart on the world? Are we going to, are, are we as a culture going to make the world worse because we've lost our way as, as a society because of all these new changes in it? Um, so I think it's very much a cautionary tale uh, in that regard. Yeah. And- also, I mean, he literally has an electronic arm at the end and the electronics literally just start and, and his own power literally starts taking him over. So, I mean, I, I think it's. I, th- I don't think it's unfair to make that logical and uh, 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 leap. I wish to holy hell that I would have gotten all of that out of watching this. I really do because the parts that I liked, I liked so much. Just the exp- I was I wasn't bored watching it. The experience sure. of watching the movie was great. Um, I did start getting frustrated. Uh, you know, like there's a, there's yeah. a scene towards the end and it was funny because there's like, I knew I had seen the character in an earlier scene and I was just completely had forgotten the context at which I had seen him. It was the old guy with that, that's trying to pack all the money or whatever into the suitcase and run away. And during that part, I'm like, okay, this is, I'm officially lost. I don't know who this is. I don't know what he did. I don't know his role in all this. I'm assuming he's either a corporate or government shill who is doing something for greedy purposes, but I really don't know. And I'm frustrated yeah. that I don't know. And I don't know if it's my fault that I don't know, or if the movie he, just kind of, you know. He was established earlier on. I think he was in like two scenes, maybe three scenes before that. Yeah. Um, which is funny because you would think that the military guy, like if this was an American movie, the military guy would be like this, this horrible figure. Um, but I actually almost think that almost nobody in this movie kind of comes out looking like a hero, I guess, basically none, none of the adults. Well, and then they also talk about like the idea, like you're a big person. You think like an adult, uh, you shouldn't have this power. Um, and maybe it's the idea that, uh, power for adults is, is crippling. I don't know. Sure. Um, like too much power, I guess. Um, but I think all of the adult characters are kind of pieces of shit. Sure. I actually, I like the Colonel, but that's the thing is I think if this was an American movie, the Colonel probably would be the bad guy, I think. Yeah. And he's not, I didn't see him that way at all. Right. Yeah. Right. Right. Well, you kind of saw him as like this guy trying to like clearly this fucking society is fucking rotting it's, right. it's riots everywhere police just kill like i mean to me i was like jesus christ i this feels very uh apt for me to be watching well right it was now. funny the when it first opened i'm like holy shit how did we pick this before you know how the hell did we pick this because it felt it, it it felt ridiculous how like i'm like oh jesus i can't even turn on the akira and get away from it <laughs> Right. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's there and it's like, but I mean, I'll tell you what, I love the violence in this thing. I love the oh, violence. Oh yeah. It's badass. It's, it's fucking 
brutal. Yes, it's it's awesome. a fucking brutal movie. And the body horror at the end. It oh is very body horror-esque. It is, it is very, uh, uh, what's his name? The Fly. Uh, oh, God, what's his name? Uh, God, the, now I'm blanking the on The director. Cronenberg. Cronenberg-esque. Yes. Yes. Yep. yes, it's very disgusting. Yeah. I liked it. I liked the ending, even though I have no fucking clue what the hell was happening. But Well, I, I love the fact that Tetsuo, uh, when he's got his power and he's got like this following of like these people who think he's it's this messianic figure, He's so irresponsible. He doesn't give a fuck about them. He, he on the bridge. He like kills as many of them as he does the fucking military. Like he doesn't fucking care. Do you see this as like a mo- more modern day version of of what Japan did with Godzilla? Like, do you compare the two? Because from what you're describing and kind of the way the movie plays out, there's a little bit of that. Uh, be wary of too much power and, you know, we- weaponry and all that shit going on in this too. And Japanese culture at the time. Right. Yeah. I mean, I think it's, I, I think they're similar in that uh, Godzilla is very much like a reaction to World War II. Yep. And this is still very much, and it's still very much World War II reactionary. I mean, the, the, the imagery alone at the beginning, it, it, it invites the comparison to the atomic bombs Correct. being dropped. Yep. Uh, and so I think I think you'd be remiss if you don't notice that. Yeah. Um, I think it's just sort of like this is where our I, I think it's just a further removed like this is where we are now dealing with that thing and then dealing with what we did to our society after that um, and 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 seeing the problems that are there uh, present. Um, I found it, it it's I think it's probably one of the best looking animated movies I've ever seen in my life. Uh, the first 15 minutes are incredible looking like the, the way the buildings are drawn and, and you know, the backgrounds in these, you always have like the still backgrounds and you're kind of animating the characters on top of it. Uh, but the yes. way they move it all around and it, it just looks so slick. It really they, does. They, they clearly had like four or five paintings because the buildings are moving. Yes. And it's, and it's, it's fucking just, great. Yeah. It's, it's beautiful. It's absolutely beautiful. It's, I think like visually it's an absolute masterpiece. And I think, I think what it's saying societally is very interesting. Um, and I think, I, I, I don't think I'll probably, I don't think I, I fully understand it cause I, I'm not Japanese. I haven't been immersed in that culture enough to fully get everything and get all of the references. Sure. Um, but I find it to be interesting. Um, and uh, yeah, doing a live action movie of this. I was just going to say, I was yeah. just going to say, how, what do you think? I mean, I, now I understand why one would be worried. Um, and, and, and it was funny because I, I feel like, and I, and I did watch Ghost in the Shell, the anime, before I saw that movie. Um, and I have a sneaking suspicion, um, unless, who was the one that was going to do this again? Uh, Taika. Taika. Okay. Well, maybe he can do a good job, but I, it's going to be tough, man. I I don't, it's going to be tough. It's going to be very tough. Um, I don't think that you do it in one movie. Um, the part of a little bit of backstory on this too, this movie was made before the manga was actually finished. Uh, this is like the third or fourth time I've, I think I've brought that up on, on, uh, this show. Um, and I think that it sort of shows in the ending because the ending feels a little rushed, um, it feels a little out of left field. Um, uh, and I, 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 I guess I, I still like the ending, but, um, I think this movie would be better. I think if you split it up and you'd spent a little bit more time with the characters, um, and I don't know what a logical breaking point is as far as the story. I don't know how you split this into two or three, but, um, 
I would love to spend more time with Kanada and Tetsuo and understand them a little bit better. Sure. Yeah, I uh, I think you just have to dumb down this movie. Make it so the, <laughs> the dummies like me can understand it. Now, then do you, do you lose what the movie is? But I, I think you absolutely do. And I think that's the problem with anime adaptations is they tend to dumb down the movies. Uh, because I think that was the problem with Ghost in Shell, uh, Ghost in the Shell live action. It was so fucking dumb compared to the fucking movie or the t- or the TV shows. Um, yeah, but see, it, then, it was then insulting. You, then you think of like Alita, though, and it's like I'm, I'm, you know, neither of but us. But Alita's not very it. complex. Well, we uh, did you read it? Do you know how much do you know about I've seen, it? I've seen a little bit of Alita. Okay. I've I've seen a little bit of it. It's it's to me it always seemed very basic. It's a battle anime. I mean it's yeah, the okay. Battle Angel Alita. Um, those I mean, Dragon Ball Z is not complex. You you could do the same thing with Dragon Ball Z. Um, these big ones, Ghost in the Shell, Akira. Um, there are other ones, but those those are kind of I think like the big seminal two. Those require it to be a cerebral movie. Uh, if you if you veer away from that, you veer away from the core of the. movie. I feel like Ghost in the Shell tried to be. It just sucked. I, like I. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't remember because I watched the anime. I think the day before we went and saw that, um, and I remember sitting. I don't remember sitting in the theater saying, "Oh my god, they left this part out," or "Oh my god, they didn't do this." I just remember feeling like it, it felt like that movie Ultraviolet with Mila Jokovic from yeah. like twenty years yeah. ago, like that yeah. shitty style of movie where you just don't feel anything because you're just in a cartoon and it feels yeah. like a cartoon and it sucks. Uh, and yeah. that's not, I, I just, I hope they do a good job with this because I will be really excited to see it just from the imagery that was in the, in the movie, the anime movie. So, right. Yeah. I love, I mean, t- to me alone, like it's one of those things I will be excited to go to the world. It's one of those things. I just love the world. I love the imagery. Akira's bike is one of the coolest fucking designed bikes like ever. Like I just fucking love it and i love how they do the light trails at the end yeah it looks it's great so everything they do with cool. the animation is great uh but yeah i'd give it like a i'm gonna go with your john carter grade i guess a c but it's probably my fault you know, or maybe it's not my fault maybe i just need to see it more times or you know i i think the first time i saw it it blew me the fuck away uh, so I, I think the first time I saw it, it'd be like an A plus subsequent viewings. It's come down. And then the more I've looked into Japanese culture and what it means, it's come back up. But then, so for me, it's like an A minus, like, I think that's sacrilege in the anime. Com- I think that's sacrilege in the anime okay. community to say, uh, but I, I don't think, I, I still think it's a masterpiece as far as animation, but I think as far as like a singular story that got me emotionally involved, it is missing a little bit. Perfect. All right. Well, I think uh, that does it for the movie reviews. Uh, anything that you watched in your final shit we watch segment? Uh, yeah, yeah. So, so I finished Erased. I don't think I I talked about that on the last episode. It wasn't finished yet. You, yeah, you were talking about you talked about the show, but it wasn't fi- you weren't finished. But it's is it good in the end? Is it good? It's only twelve episodes, so I feel like I, I feel like this is a good investment for anybody's time as far as like anime. I also feel like this is one that will bridge the gap for people who like, I don't like anime, watch this one. It's story based. It's character based. Also the animation and the backgrounds are, are just beautiful. And it's a really well, like really well told story. It's fucking, it's, I, I told you before, I, I, I told you, I thought it had the potential to be an amazing anime. Uh, I really think, I mean, a slight tiny bit of faltering at, as far as pacing on the ending goes. But other than that, 
I think this is a fucking stellar. This is like a masterpiece. This is like, this is like an A. It's not an A plus because of a little bit of an issue. I'm not. The end, I'm not but, used to you dropping A's on these animes though on this show. So no, no, most of our no. I I'd say the vast majority of animes that I've watched are not A's. No. Um. This is a. This is this is fucking great. This is fucking great. This is Death Note. This is uh, this is uh, Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood. Um, this is uh, the Promised Love Neverland. Neverland. This is fucking great. Nice. This is fucking great. Nice. Yeah. So that's my. Big that's watch. all you got. Yeah. I I that's don't really. I don't really have anything that I can think of offhand. Oh, I did start a new HBO show last night. Um. Uh. And I'm typing it in because I forgot the name of the show. I may destroy you. It's called. Um, it's about a uh, English uh, African American writer, uh, and it's a half hour show. Apparently, it was like a BBC uh, show at first. HBO must have picked it up. But um, I, I was kind of interesting because I was trying to figure out what the show was about throughout the whole thing because it kind of just slowly introduces you to kind of the character and she's. Uh, seems to be a little bit of a mess. Like she's got a deadline for a book. She's obsessed with some guy that she's kind of dating in Italy. Uh, she has to fly back to the UK. And essentially that she she owes a story the next day at 6 a.m. Um, and she's up at night writing this story or whatever. Uh, and she decides like she's got writer's block. She's going to go grab a drink. So she meets her friends out for a drink, um, blacks out. And shows up at this meeting the next day with like jack shit to turn in. Uh, and then right when it ends, you see her like she goes into her bedroom and she has a memory of like this dude that's like, you know, having sex with her. So that was like a huge hook for the show because now I understand what the show is about. Um, and I'm assuming it's going to be uh, the, you know, unconsensual sex. Yes. That's what I'm assuming. So it was really good though. It was a really good show. Like I really liked the main character. Um, and I was immediately within five or 10 minutes, I was like totally on board with, with all the, the style of the show, the music they were using. Um, it, it, it was kind of funny. Uh, it, it clearly had like a, a message to say, but yeah, you, you went through this episode thinking like, Oh, this is kind of a quirky, funny show. And then at the end it was like, Boom. So I'm I'm very intrigued to watch a few more episodes and see if it keeps hooking me. So that would be my watch, I guess, this week. That would be my Oh, watch. I did start uh I started Hannibal uh too. Really? Okay, how's yeah. that? Uh it's fun. I mean Mads Mickelson is a fucking boss, so Love uh, Mads, and, yeah. But the 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 new character sort of like I think your sort of uh, audience identify identification character. Um he's good too. He's very good. Uh uh, uh, troubled, uh, I guess you could say like a detective with Asperger's, I guess is probably like the best way of describing him. Um, he can sort of envision, he, he has what I guess they, I think they call it universal empathy. So he can put himself in the mindset of anyone and understand anyone's point of view, uh, and picture anything, uh, basically. So he's the counselor Troy of Hannibal. <laughs> uh, sure. Yeah. I I guess. Uh, yeah, yeah, I guess. Um, but yeah, it's 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 good. I love Mads. Um, I'm really excited to see where it goes. I feel like I should watch goes. that. 
I feel like I should watch. I that. think you'll yeah, like it. I just love him, and you know, I love the character of Hannibal Lecter. It's a great character, exactly. You know, oh, like yeah. even oh, yeah. even He's... the Hannibal movie, which I thought kind of sucked, it's still entertaining mm-hmm. just because of you know Hannibal as a character and some of the things going on. But yeah, well, Hannibal is just great because he's got that great dichotomy of like civilized but brutal. Right. Yes. Uh, it's just, it's so fascinating and it's just intriguing to watch inherently. And Mads is a great person to play Hannibal too. I would say, yes. I would oh, think. Mads is, I, Mads, I, I just want him to play some sort of big villain in a big successful movie because he is so amazing. Like he was yes. so wasted in Dr. Strange. He was. It's just sad. Yeah, I would agree. Even if he want, if they want to cast him as a as a you know here a superhero or something, that would be cool. Anything, anything right. where he gets more spotlight because he he deserves all of the attention. Yeah, he's one of those guys that everybody likes. You know. Yes. But yeah, you got anything uh, anything else? Uh, I mean, I've been watching some let's plays on video games. Okay. Um, uh, this game Kindergarten. I'm sure people are like, bro, you're like way behind. Somebody's bored in quarantine. No, no, it was a it was a suggestion and I've been thoroughly enjoying it because it's about like this fucked up kindergarten where you keep reliving Monday because you can get killed by the principal. Uh, you can get killed by the janitor. You can get killed by the teacher. You can get killed by other students. Uh, and it's one of these things where like you just you got to figure out the mysteries. And it's it's like this sort of like a uh, point and click sort of uh, uh, decision tree sort of story. OK, uh, sounds it's, fun. It's, it's very interesting. I, I highly would recommend it. I think it's very interesting and funny. Happy, it's um, like Happy Death Day in, in kindergarten. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like cartoon little kids. Nice. You know? But it's perfect. fun. It's fun. But yeah, that's very uh, violent. That's but, uh, yeah. <laughs> violent kindergarten uh, game. Yes. Anything else? That's it. All right. Well, before we say our goodbyes to home, uh, I do have a small surprise for him quickly. Uh, A few other podcasters from the community um, did send me some well wishes here. Uh, So I'm going to go ahead and go through these. And if home has a message for any of these people, uh, if he wants to tell them to fuck off or or whatever he wants to do. uh, Again, I was shocked that anyone cared or wanted to say goodbye to home to be frank with you so it was I'm nice surprised. of you guys to I'm, send these I'm in sincerely surprised but yeah let's just go ahead and start with one of our most recognized voices from this show and friends of the show hey alex it's Derek from poolside podcast i just wanted to say i've really enjoyed listening to you and jackson the past two years you've helped shape my expectations and my own criticisms when it comes to movies and television, and I've always enjoyed your outburst when it comes to awful movies like The Meg. I hope you visit back on the show every now and then, and maybe we'll get to hear a visit from Warner also, that is, if he doesn't attack you again. I enjoyed getting to finally podcast with you and destroy the awful Fantastic Four movie, and I wish you the best in the things to come for you. Thanks again for the great podcast, and don't let anyone tell you to stop being a Marvel shill. See ya. So yeah, thank you, Derek, for sending that in. Um, appreciate it. But that was uh, lovely. Yeah. Any anything to say to Derek? Uh, you know uh, that that got me right in the feels, Derek. That was that was. Uh, thank you. That was really nice. And I will never apologize for being a Marvel shill. <laughs> well, you should apologize Ever. for leaving the Meg. I mean, that's the that's the one you should apologize for. Because I mean, come on now. That might be. Is that the only movie you left? 
during this uh, whole while series? we were while we were recording yeah. yeah yeah all right uh yeah so next uh we have another couple friends of the show um and i will let them do their thing as well hey what's going on board annoyed this is your friends uh, mike and riley from the downright nerdy podcast and we wanted to say both congratulations on 100 episodes of Bored and Annoyed. We are huge fans. Huge fans. And we are sad to hear that uh, home is leaving. Uh, we wanted to give you a uh, congratulations and a good luck um, on your future endeavors, man. And hope you do come back uh, for cameo appearances here and there. Yeah, we'll miss you, but yeah. good for you. Later, buddy. Yeah, don't cry. Don't cry. Homie. You guys are getting me, man. Yeah, so we'll just go right into the next one. And thank you again, Michael. Uh, you can catch him uh, with me every weekend on uh, Downright Annoyed with Movies, as well as over at the Downright Nerdy Podcast. So make sure you check him out. Um, another podcaster wanted to send something in here. Hey, Bored and Annoyed. This is Jonathan with Silver Screen Video Podcast. Been a longtime listener of you guys and I've really enjoyed it. And uh, Jackson gave us the opportunity to kind of reach out and let home know that he will be missed by the podcast community, by the listeners. We really appreciate all the fun, creative content we've gotten since you guys started. And uh, good luck on everything. Hope everything goes well for you. And uh, please get back on board and annoyed when you can so we can hear you guys go back and forth. And uh, yeah, so... It's been a pleasure listening to you, and uh, it's been a great show. So good luck on everything, and I hope everything goes well for you. You guys take it easy. There you go. Don't don't start. You guys crying. are killing me. You guys are, you are getting killing killed me. here. You're are you getting killed? Me. Yeah. The, yeah. Tears of sadness. So okay, then then we're gonna give you okay. Who do you think the last one is? I got one more. Who do you think it is? I would love if it was Kova, but I don't <laughs> think it's gonna be Kova. Okay, who else? Who else could it be? Uh. I mean, it's got to be Steve, right? It's got to be Spoiler Steve, right? Maybe not. I don't know. I don't want to. Hey, guys. Spoiler Steve here. Uh, Caveman Edition, as you can see. Uh, Alex, just, just want to wish you the best of luck. It's, it's uh, sad to hear that you're leaving. Big fan of you and Jackson and Bored and Annoyed and the, uh, the community that you guys have created. So, uh, you know, just want to wish you the best of luck. And uh, can't wait to hear what your new project is. And uh, need to have you back on soon. Yeah. So, there you go. You will be missed. I don't know Steve, why. Steve, I love the beard. Yeah, it's I pretty, love the beard. He, he, yeah, it looks pretty good. It's funny uh, seeing Steve in the flesh, right? Because like I've yeah. got my my uh, you know I, I know I'm friends with him on Facebook and everything, but I feel like he's had kind of a cartoon picture or something up most of the time, or I haven't gotten a good look at him. Yes. So when he sent that, I'm like, oh, you know, probably not what I would have guessed he looked like, which is always an interesting. Definitely experience. not what I thought. He yes, was. I thought he was like clean shaven, yeah, like smaller guy for some reason. Yeah, Steve, we didn't we didn't think you looked like you know, such a homeless person or something. You know what I mean? We, we thought you had a suit on, you know, we thought you had a, a tuxedo or something, but no, I thought uh, he was like, is, a, he looks like a badass Viking to me. I was just, that's where I was going with this. He really does look like you, we need to get him a horned helmet and like a badass ax or something. Uh, but yes, Steve, thank you so much. And we really appreciate everyone who supported the show, by the way, I know home does. So home, I guess, leaving the floor to you if you can stop yourself from from crying here uh you know what what do you have to say to kind of say goodbye to our listeners uh you know god i guess i should have prepared something that would not be that would not be that would not be this show no yeah no you're right that would not be this show um god i mean it has been great hearing 
all, you know, it's been great meeting new people. I think that was maybe the greatest thing about this. I loved guesting on other podcasts. I love talking to other new, new people. Um, and, and it was nice to, you know, every now and then get somebody who was like, you know, Alex, you're not completely insane. Uh, and, and Jackson is a jackass for fucking disagreeing with you. Um, but, uh, you know, it's, it's, um, God damn, it's now you're making me second guess this, which is, uh, I didn't know it was going to be this hard, I guess is, um, hey, I, uh, the big thing, you know, I mean, I'm assuming you're probably going to want to get some dark talk off your chest here in a couple weeks. So clearly if you want to hop on and talk about that, obviously you can. So that's not a problem. Um, now what's been interesting home and, and I, uh, you know, to kind of, those of you who have spoken to us on social media know that I kind of run the social media aspect of this. What is very interesting is how, uh, the complaints about our takes on stuff have been reasonably even when we disagree on something, you know what really? I mean? Yes. I feel like I've been called an asshole more, uh, just because of my opinions on certain things being assholish and my my tact not being uh, the greatest, but but in general, you know, like for for the Meg, you had people that were like, God, he was really harsh on that. Or uh, for uh, what was the the latest one? I had messages uh, on the Harley Quinn movie that were both ways. You know what I mean? Yeah. So so you really do start to learn that. This, you know, we, we think that this is, uh, we think that there are such things as objectively bad films, but the fact yeah. that you can disagree on which ones are kind of mean we're wrong. And that's, what's interesting about the whole movie criticism thought process. What's interesting to me, um, and I'm much more, I'm much more comfortable talking about things like this than my own feelings about leaving. But what's interesting to me is you, your feelings, there's, there's like a Buddhist quote that your thoughts aren't your own. Um, and it's the idea that your thoughts can fluctuate on your mood, on how much you've slept on, on your mental state about what kind of stresses you're under right now. Uh, you know, there could be a feasible day where I got laid and maybe I was a little drunk <laughs> and I go and see the Meg and I'm like, this fucking shit is dope. You know, I could, I could have that. It's very know? true. Yes. Very so, true. I mean, yeah, that's, that's something I think to keep in mind always. Um, but I mean, there are always going to be movies that I'll, I'll always love. I think no matter how my, my mindset, you know? Yeah. And, and, and I just want to say my parting words to you would be, you know, I, I think the way this kind of started, I think probably you had brought up the idea of doing this probably months before you actually texted me and said, you know what, let's fucking do it. Right. Sure. Um, so thank you for doing that because I never, you know, I don't know if there's anybody else in town that I could have done this with. Um, I can't imagine, uh, talking movies like we have with anyone else that I know around here, really. Um, you know, we've had our, it hasn't all been perfect. We've had disagreements throughout the process of doing this show. Um, but I think that that's kind of just part of having a working relationship with someone. Um, especially yeah. when it's, when it's kind of a, a 50, 50 partnership. Um, and you know, certain people are going to be more into it for weeks at a time than other people are. And that's gone yeah. both ways throughout this entire thing. I think you would agree. Right. So, yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, there, there are weeks where you're on and there are weeks where I'm on yes. and, 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 you know, it's just, 
it it fluctuates it fluctuates so um, so yeah so my message is thank you for for being a part of this this journey with me and um you're always welcome to join back in um obviously this is a uh this is a sad day i mean it really is a sad day it's not a happy moment so i don't even know why i want to do this i feel like i don't know maybe it's maybe it's because i feel guilty about leaving now um um I did not know that this mattered to anyone, really. Uh, and so seeing stuff like that, um, that actually really does genuinely really touch me. And that that was uh, really, really nice. But um, I think the thing that I realized about myself is like, uh, I think a lot of people know, like, I'm, I'm an artist, I like to draw. Um, but I've also been trying to be a writer for a while. And um, what I've realized about myself is that I have a really hard time writing when I spend a lot of time watching other people's things, um, <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. That. I don't know. I don't know who said this. Um, I think it might've been Kevin Smith. I don't know, but he's like, no man, like I'm in the tank. Like I, I can't watch stuff while I'm like writing. And it's like, I think I'm kind of the same way. So like right now I have these projects that I'm working on as far as like, I'm, I'm working on comics. Like it's not a secret. And I just know like if I do this and I'm like, Hey, we're going to watch this movie and we're going to watch this. And like, I just know I'm never going to get it done. Like I'll just never get it done. Yeah, Just know that if you want to talk about a movie that comes out, once movies start coming out, don't come to me, man. I don't want to talk to you. <laughs> That's gone. And on that note, that Avenue is gone, but no, thank you so much for the, to the audience that supported us. And I will let, uh, home or Alex, uh, kind of play out the show here. So I'm going to, I'm going to let him sign off. Uh, so I have been home at the movies. This and, has been bored and annoyed. Oh, you're doing the whole thing. See, I fucked it up. I've been Jackson, by the way. I He's fucked been the whole Jackson. Thing up. Can't, it's, can't it's just right let you have the... the spotlight. It's my fucking signing off motherfucker. Uh, yeah, no, I have been home at the movies. Uh, this has been bored and annoyed. Um, and it has been an absolute pleasure. Thank you.